Hello, everybody. Michael Lombardo here. Welcome to Awaken Podcast. If you are new to the podcast, you um, there's a new show every Monday and Thursday streaming live on the Charisma Podcast Network. So you just go to charismapodcastnetwork.com or you can go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, pretty much anywhere that podcasts are listened to to tap into the show. I speak with amazing leaders. Um, I speak to authors, pastors, prophets, amazing people from around the world that have a message for this time and this hour to edify you, challenge you, inspire you to really seek the Lord and walk in the full purposes of God for your life. And so it's always exciting to speak to incredible people from around the world. We also do teaching shows. I come on here 15, 20 minutes, break down the scriptures, break down revelation, share testimonies of the Lord Jesus Christ to really spur on your faith. I have my wife on, friends and family from around the world. And so thank you so much for tuning in. I have an incredible guest on the show today, somebody that I'm very, very excited to interview and speak to. I want to make sure we have as much time as possible to dive into his story and the content of today's show. And so I'm just going to dive right in. Many of you know him. His name is Daryl Strawberry. He is descri- he's described as a baseball legend by many who have been dazzled by the dynamics of his game. I, I watched Daryl growing up as a diehard Yankee fan in the World Series, and so it is a joy to have him on. He has many accomplishments in the major leagues, including four World Series titles, eight All-Star Game appearances, and a nomination to the National Baseball Hall of Fame in 2004. Today, Daryl's passion is serving the Lord Jesus Christ by traveling the country, speaking a message of hope and restoration through the power of the gospel, and he lives with his wife, Tracy, in St. Louis, Missouri. Thank you so much, Daryl, for joining me today. Well, thanks for having me, Michael. I appreciate it. <laughs> I remember my dad, he had us... He had season passes to the uh, Yankees and growing up, he would take me to several games a year. And I remember watching you and so many other amazing players. And so really, it truly is an honor to have you on the show and talk to you today. Well, like I said before, I, uh, I'm honored to be here, you know, to be able to share my great story that the God has, that God has given me. I think that's really the most important thing. I'm always excited to be able to talk about the love of Jesus and, and what he do um, in a person's life when a person surrenders himself to him. Amen. Amen. My, my side, I, re- I relate a lot with your story in terms of the drug addiction and I grew up in a Christian home and, but I was addicted to drugs. I, <laughs> I'd wanted nothing to do with God for years. I ran from him, but the Lord supernaturally touched me and revealed himself to me, broke addiction off of my life. And so just reading, reading your story, I relate in a lot of ways. And so I know today we're going to be talking about your new book, turn your season around how God can transform your life. And you know, before we get into that, I know you share a lot of your story in this book. Before we really dive into that, though, I'd love a little bit of insight because I know, man, you're, you're an incredible baseball player. You have so many accomplishments, so many successes, but I know that there was a lot of struggles for you. Um, and so I was just kind of wondering the addictions, the struggles, and all the things that happened in your life. Did this really begin to start? Did this Was this before, you know, the fame and the money and all this came into play, or was this kind of a fruit of that? Um, no question about it, Michael. It was uh, before even getting there you know, from, from the beginning, you know, mm. my father was a raging alcoholic. You know, he came home for the last time when I was 14, pulled out a shotgun drunk and said he was going to kill the whole family. Had it not been for mm. my mother getting me and my brothers out of the house, we probably would have killed him. And I always say there should have been a tragedy in my life and could have been a tragedy in my life. Um, at the age of 14, uh, before I ever, you know, put the baseball uniform on. So, you know, a baseball uniform or whatever kind of job you get just covers up the wounds. Uh, it doesn't heal them, but it covers up them. And I always say my pain led me to my greatness, and my greatness would eventually lead me to my destructive behavior. So 
brokenness is real. And I think people never get to talk about it. They don't, they never get to see where a person come from. All they look at is what a person is doing and how talented a person is, but they don't realize, you know, what, where a person comes from, what's the background of mm-hmm. where they come from. And I came from a background of dysfunction, you know, and I was, I was lost as a kid, you know, I didn't have a male figure in my life and I was raised by a beautiful mother and she raised five of us by herself and she taught us the right way principles and she was a strong Christian woman, but you know, I made a decision to live a heathen lifestyle and yep. just separated from God and, you know, didn't want to have anything to do with anything of her faith and walk because of, you know, the scars that I was left with and the wounds that were left on, left upon me and my brothers and sisters, you know, from the rejection of my father. So it was really a hard time to try to figure out who exactly I was, even in the midst of achieving so many great things. I still had trouble inside trying to figure out who am I? Because I think a lot of people think, well, you put a uniform, you you achieve so many things, you've been privileged. Um, You should be happy with that. But that really doesn't define you as a person. That just that just makes you as who you have become in your athletic skills and the sure. things that you achieve from there. But who are you as a person is more important to all of us. And I think the only answer, the only way we can get that answer is we can only get that from Christ because I think so many of us walk around with the wrong identity. I mean, I had the uniform on for so many years, but I had the wrong identity. I was identifying myself mm. with the uniform yeah. and not the man that was, that I was waiting for on the inside. <laughs> That's so good. I know you quote in your book um, a lot, the book of uh, Ecclesiastes in the Bible, and I just love, God really spoke to me through that book several times, but I love the scripture where it talks about, you know, you know, King Solomon, how he says, vanity of vanities. I've had everything. I was a king. I had the most wisdom in all the world. I was the richest. I had concubines. I had my own worship band, pretty much. He goes into all these different things, and, you know, and at the end of the day, vanity of vanities. It's not money that satisfies. It's not fame, success, accolades that satisfy. We have this God-shaped hole on the inside of us that needs to be filled by the Lord Jesus Christ, and you've it, and you've experienced that in your life. And I know this is this is important because I feel like so many people have broken families growing up. Do you feel like it was, you know, the dysfunction of not knowing your father? I know you speak about that in your book and you just mentioned that that really drove you to want to succeed and push and, and and make something of yourself to kind of fill that void? Yeah, no question about it. It's the pain. It's the pain of who you are and the pain of dealing with trying to find yourself. So I um kind of drove myself into sports, you know, playing ball and playing all kinds of sports just to, you know, really remove me from the pain that I was in so I could feel better about myself. Sports made me feel better about myself. Yeah. And it was just an outlet, but it could, but it could never satisfy. Like you said, the empty void on the inside, it was, it was there. I would, I would do well and I would achieve all these things, you know, from little league, junior high school and high school and, and going on from there. But at the same time, it still never satisfied the empty void on the inside of me. Cause like you said, it's a God shape. Only God can fill that void. You know, like you said, you, you're talking about Ecclesiastes, which is so important. King Solomon, a man that had everything, the richest, wisest man in Jerusalem, but still at the same thing, vanity, vanity, you know, mm-hmm. it's meaningless under the sun. It's meaningless without God under the sun. It means nothing, you know, yeah. and I think, you know, as a person, I experienced that. I experienced that, that, that in such a powerful way. I had this, you know, over, I had all this great success. And at the same time, it was just like all meaningless. You know, I didn't really care about the stuff. I was like, Oh my God, I'm just so empty on the inside as a person. Who am I as a person? Why am I created? I know it has to be more than just playing baseball and, and winning games. Cause when you go home and take the uniform off, 
who are you? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I know for so many people, we got to hit rock bottom before we look up, before we cry out, before we call out to the Lord Jesus for salvation. What was that turning point for you? I know a lot happened in your life. You had had cancer and I know you had, you know, the addictions and everything that was going on. Was there like a, a turning point moment where you called out to God to see this happen, to see salvation and change take place? Yeah, I, I think it was looking back over uh, a lot of things because I had so many things that I had to deal with. But I was looking back over things and I was thinking about what was the key moments, you know, for you to to make a turnaround and say, okay, God, you know, I'm going to follow your ways. And I think it was, you know, the prayers of my mother and knowing that she was praying for me because mm-hmm. I remember the journal that I found under her bed and she was praying that God would knock me off my throne. So I had to get to a place where I had to say, God knocked me off my throne. Like mm-hmm. my mother was saying. Yeah. And I think that was one of the turning points, you know, because I was living a heathen life. And my mother wasn't concerned about my fame and fortune. And that's what blessed me so much. She was concerned. She was concerned about my salvation more than anything. Yes. And that's what, that, that was one key thing I was, able to hold on to. And another key thing I was really able to hold on to was my wife, who's my wife today, Tracy, and she was banging on doors when I was in, in the midst of my addiction, shoot, no smoking crack mm-hmm. in South Florida. She was banging on doors and pulling me out of dope house saying, <laughs> God's got a plan for you. And I was like, well, why don't you and that God just leave me here and let me die? She said, well, you're just not that lucky. That was a <laughs> very powerful moment wow. in my life. And I think I, I've always held on to those two things. I've always said, God, I tell people, God has a great sense of humor. You know, I, I was this great athlete. So I achieved all these great things and lived a lustful life, you know, and, mm-hmm. and women all over the place. And here it is. God would take two women in my life, my mother and my wife, to straighten me out, to bring me back to wholeness and righteousness wow. and, and bring me back to uh, purpose of life. And it's a, just an incredible, you know, testimony of who God is and how he uses people. He, he's always in the business of using others to help others. Oh, man, I absolutely agree so much. I relate with that. My mother and my father were both prayer warriors over my life and my teenage years when I went reckless and, you know, I was living a dangerous lifestyle, not just a reckless lifestyle, but a dangerous lifestyle. My mother, and my father would lock hands and declare the word of God over my life. They would say, he's a, he's a man after your own heart. He, he loves what you love. He hates what you hate. And they would just speak the word of God over my life. Even before they saw the results, they were declaring what the, you know, the results that they wanted. And so, and my dad dragged me out of bad situations. My parents were there for me. I really learned the love of God through my parents that no matter, you know, they were gracious with me, they were stern and they disciplined me, but they were gracious with me. And that really showed me the heart of the father because, you know, they never gave up on me and they still loved me through everything. It's just a power of prayer. And I just, I love that you highlight that because, you know, our prayers do matter. Our, you know, the fervent prayers of the righteous avail much. And that, and that's the power of my story, your story, and so many around the world. And I just love about, you know, I was reading your book and you talk about how you accepted Jesus in, in 1991, but it really took you 15 years to experience true spiritual and emotional healing, the healing that you needed. And you say it's because you accepted, you, 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 you know, you accepted Jesus' free gift of salvation on your terms, not his. I think this is so important. I'd love for you to talk about that. <laughs> Yeah, I think most of us do that. We run down to the altar. We accept, accept Jesus because there's such a powerful move and a place in the anointing of God is flowing. And, and, and it's good because you do come to the place of accepting Christ, but do you know him? You know, yeah. and that's a big difference. Mm-hmm. You know, we accept him. And what happens to so many of us, we don't go through the discipleship part. We miss that part. Yeah. And guess what? We go back to the familiar of who we are because we haven't been discipled. And I think discipleship is 
the key to one getting over on the other side of things in their life, being able to cross over into the new place of who you are. Because it, like I said before, the, the accepting Jesus is, is the most important thing. That's salvation. But now I must build off the salvation that I've accepted Christ with, and I must go forward with that. And I think so many of us don't ever go forward after, mm. you know, we come down and have our altar call and we have this moment and, and we just, where do we go for, from here? Yeah. You know, and, and that's how I was. Where did I go from there? And I was in the midst of playing baseball. My season was coming on and I didn't get any discipleship because the Bible talks about it clear. My people perish because of lack of knowledge. That's right. You know, people perish because no knowledge of the word. So they perish. You know, you go back. And I, I had no knowledge of the word. You know, I, I knew his name, but I didn't know his power. I didn't wow. know the word. So yep. guess what? I went back into I went back into the familiar places where I started going back. I ran into the wall, dislocated my shoulder. Guess what? I got hurt. So I started drinking again. I started going into another direction, back to where I was comfortable with. I mm-hmm. didn't have this I didn't have this revelation and real information of who Jesus Christ is. So I couldn't build my house on a great foundation. Yeah. You know, my, my foundation was not strong enough. And guess what? The enemy came in. He swept me right back to where I came from back in the wilderness. I call mm-hmm. it the wilderness. I went to the wilderness for another 15 years or so lost and separated and tormented. And, and boy, it was a, it was a very hard, dark place, hard time. Mm. And, and at the end of the day, you know, God, God, God does win at the end of the day, a uh, one that comes and gets salvation. Cause what I've learned with God is he doesn't reverse his call. Once he makes a call on your life, <laughs> it is his call and he's not going to reverse it. He's Amen. not going to turn back. It may take a, may take a process for you to go through and you have to uh, go through to get to and everything. And that's what it was for me. Michael I had to go through it to get to where God wanted me to get. So I'm grateful for, for all of it that I experienced in my life and to be in a totally different place today. As I sit now, I'm very comfortable in my own skin. It's not about success. It's not about trophies. It's not about fame. It's not about money. It is about Jesus Christ uh-huh, hanging yes. on the cross of Calvary and shedding his blood for a sinner like me that I have my life and may have it more abundantly today. That's beautiful. And it's so true. You know, there's so many people around the world, they said a prayer at an altar and, you know, they received the Lord Jesus, but there was no, you know, fruit of repentance or change of lifestyle because there was no true surrender. A lot of people, you know, they want, you know, they want freedom or they want blessing or they want peace, but um, they, they, they don't come to that place of yieldedness and surrender where they say, my life is no longer my own. I am completely yours. I want to follow you, Jesus. Change me, mold me, shape me. That's not their prayer. It's help me, you know, and, and Jesus will take any, you know, Jesus will take anything. I'm telling you, you, you cry out to the Lord and he will save you, but there's this process. Like you, like you're talking about of discipleship and following the Lord Jesus Christ, making hard decisions, walking in righteousness. And I love, uh, you know, part of your story that I read in your book about how you were a guest on the Celebrity Apprentice. And you know, listen, following Jesus, we have to make hard decisions, you know, sometimes to avoid right. pitfalls and temptations. So I'd love to, I'd love to hear that story. Yeah, I mean, I happen to be on the show, and you know, President Trump was a friend. And um, he still is today, but um, yeah, I got invited to be on the show, and I went on the show, and and it was pretty, it was pretty good from the beginning until I got behind the scenes and start seeing the craziness of, you know, drinking and you know, language, and here it is, I was a Christian, and I was, you know, making my way because my wife was like, "Are you really going on that show? You know how crazy it is, you know." I said, "Well, yeah, you know, they invited me, so let me see what it's like. It's for the charity and try to help the charity." because um, we had a foundation for children with autism and I wanted to raise some money for them. And I eventually did, you know, you know, 
due to coming back uh, to help at the end. But I, I got in the middle of, of the show and saw things behind the scene. And I saw people, uh, worldly people just going at it and, you know, saying things and, you know, drinking and crazy and talking crazy. And it was always long nights. So I had to make a hard decision. You know, one, once we lost the task, you know, I didn't have anything to do with us losing, but I just figured, you know, our, our leader, who was Michael Johnson, I think at the time, you know, wasn't taking responsibility. Of, so I took responsibility and say, well, you can find me instead. Of, and because I didn't need to compromise and yeah. I, I didn't need to be in the midst of that. You know, my walk was my walk was becoming strong and I was becoming strong at what I was doing. But I would learn one thing. You don't put yourself in the, in the enemy playground, in the enemy territory. And when you put yourself there, you set yourself up. Failure. So I realized that I needed to make a move and try to get out of there and and say, you know, it's it's, it's been a great time, but you know, I just need to move forward because you know I'm following a different walk of life. I'm talking a different way, and I want to stay on the road that I'm on. I don't want to get in another lane. I want to stay in my lane, and that's what I ended up doing: staying in my lane. and made a decision to walk away, and I did the best thing walking away because they brought me back to the end of the show to help Brett Michaels, who eventually ended up winning the show. And Brett Michaels gave me 25000 for my charity. And, and, and President Trump gave me 25000 for my um, charity for autism for, for kids. Wow. That's just yeah. such a testimony of the Lord's goodness, just honoring you for making the right decision. God makes all things work together for good, for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. But when we make decisions to walk in obedience to the Lord and to do what God puts in our hearts, when we're led by the Holy Spirit of God, he always, no matter what, it always winds up, you know, he, he blesses us for it. And, it, you know, in such incredible ways, you know, I think about scriptures that, you know, the, the Apostle Paul said, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord, and I will receive you. And there, I believe there are times in our life, especially when the Lord is strengthening our faith walk, um, you know, um, breaking bondages and healing our hearts. I believe there's times where we truly need to separate ourselves from people and, you know, that that are doing things that could possibly entice us and bring us back. And then there's times where the Lord will put us right in the center of it to be an influence and to share the love of Jesus but only when, you know, we're strong enough. We have a strong foundation in him. And so I just think that's so right. good. There's so many people around the world that really need need to hear that. It's, it's, it's a part of the discipleship that we're talking about. And I know your story, you know, God set you free from so many things. You brought so much healing in your life, but you also had a bout with cancer. Can you tell us how God spoke to you like through through that in your life? Yeah, I had about twice with cancer and I, mm. I ended up losing my left kidney in the second surgery and um, I had it in 98 during the course of the season. Yeah. Um, had a tumor, colon cancer and had to have surgery and then I had it reoccur again in 2000 when they had to move, remove my left kidney and it was a real process that I had to go through there through that too. You know, I, I, am I trusting God? And in, in the midst of it, I didn't want to be in that situation. I wanted to be over. I was like, God, why don't you just let me die? I was laying in the hospital. I didn't want to go back to um, have another surgery. And I remember the doctor, Jonathan LaPoop, my doctor, he was saying, it's not about you. It's about those young kids you got, you know, and you need to go through the surgery. So I eventually went through that second surgery and I sat in the hospital and I said, God, why don't you just let me die? And I just remember him saying, it's not about you. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, because we we always think it's about us when we're in the <laughs> uh, most darkest situations and some of the hardest times I ever been in. You know, like you know, going through that process and having to go through chemo for another six months. I didn't want to do it, and he just kept saying, "It's not about you. It's not about you." You know, mm. and eventually one day he would get me to a place where I would understand it was never about me. It was about him using every piece of your 
your brokenness of who you are to heal that, to bring it to a place where he can take your mess and make it into a message that would help so many others. And that's what he creates that for. And I think sometimes we get so cynical and caught up in our own self and thinking it's really about us. And it's really never about us. It's about what God wants to do through us. He, he uses every piece of it, even the cancer, the addiction, uh, the jail or whatever, you go through, he uses it all for the good. You talked about that in the Romans eight twenty eight. Mm-hmm. That's what he uses it for, for the mm-hmm. good that yeah. love him. And those called it called according to his purpose. See, you don't know that you're called according to his purpose, but once he saved you, he had called you according to his purpose, not your purpose. <laughs> That's so good. And I just love it because God is not the author of the cancer. God is not the author of the addiction. The devil is. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But God will literally use any circumstance in our life. He is an opportunist. If we turn to him, if we trust in him, he will just, you know, you know reveal himself and do majestic things and just, you know, just the, the enemy, what he tries, to, the enemy, what he tries to do backfires right. on us, on him. Yeah. He uses it in such a mighty way, and I think a lot of times we don't understand in the midst of it. Of course, we're not supposed to understand because, you know, you're not fully developed. You know, it's not until he develops you and he has to sit you and he has to, Mm. you know, prune you. You know, he has to do whatever he has to do, all the different things that he has to do to you. He has to clean you up, you know, and that's what it was for me, you know, through that process and going through everything I had to go through. There was a seven-year period that God sat me through discipleship, seven years of sitting with nothing. So I just had to go be in church and go and grow and, and do um, service work and everything else mm. before he even started to push me anywhere to elevate me. Because God said, you know, one thing to me when he called me to preach, he said, you need to understand this. The enemy, he knows if you're not equipped and you stand in the uh, stand on platform preaching yeah. that he's going to put a chokehold on you and he's going to strangle you if, if you're not equipped. And that's what happens to so many guys. They're not equipped. You know, they think well because they sound good. They brand themselves. No, you don't pose a brand yourself. Jesus is the brand. Jesus is the greatest <laughs> brand yes. that you will ever meet. And it's not you. It's not me. It's not about great how we sound. It's not about what kind of words we say. The enemy's not afraid of words. He's, he's afraid of one that knows the scriptures, that has been with God, and that knows God well. And those are the people that he's afraid of. He, he, don't, he runs from that. He flees from that. But if, you know, you're just there talking, he's like, Dude, you don't have no power. I know, I know more about God <laughs> yes. than you do. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. The yeah. Enemy, he'll do anything in his power, but it's, 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 it's funny. He's, he's used the same tricks. He's just a liar. He just puts lies in our minds. He's got the same old tricks, but God is more powerful. If we just cling to the Lord, trust in the Lord, but it's important. I think you're, you're right. The foundation is everything. It's one thing to have a gifting. It's one thing to have an anointing. It's one thing to be articulate and be able to share God's word, you know? Um, and especially nowadays with social media, everyone's trying to build ministries and platforms, but we need to build the foundation for God's word in our life. And then you know, at that, you know, strengthening our spirit, getting whole, getting healed. You talk about this a lot in your book, and I would love to talk about this for a few minutes, how, you know, God had to do a lot of healing in your heart and how, you know, God's grace needs to heal us emotionally, mentally. We need to renew our minds and how this is, you know, so key, you know, and how God's grace really shines forth in in those things. I'd love for you to talk about that. Yeah, that's so important, Michael, you know, because the Holy Spirit taught me about grace. And he said, when you start understanding grace, grace is something that you don't deserve, but God gives it to you anyway. That's right. And that's where all of so many of us go wrong because we think we deserve the grace and we don't. 
And that's when I got so much better at who I was in my walk with Christ. The second Corinthians 12, 9 starts with, and he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Yes. So that means we're weak. His strength is made perfect inside of us. That's the grace that he gives to us to be able to operate. And it's something that you cannot earn. It's something that you don't deserve, but it's freely given to you. And now you're on the right course when you understand the grace of mm-hmm. God, because now I understand I don't deserve it because so many of us boast about, well, I should be. I should be this, I should be that. No, we shouldn't. If it wasn't for God's grace, if it wasn't for Jesus hanging on the cross of Calvary and shedding his blood and going to the tomb and getting up on the third day early Sunday morning and getting up with all power, Amen. you don't deserve what He what he's done for us. So when you actually can understand that and see that through your walk and through your life and living your life according to the biblical principles, now you can now the promises over your life that was writ- written over your life before you were born, God has brought them to brought them to to the forefront, so you mm-hmm. can be able to see them and you can know who you are in Christ, and you don't have to have this ego, which a man is dead when he has an ego. Most men die when they have an ego. Egos. Most men get killed. Most men fall off off the cliff because of the ego, which is a three letter word. Easy, God out. Wow. Yeah, I agree 100%. The Lord, (laughs) he lavishes grace. The Bible says that he gives grace to the humble, and we need to develop that attitude of, Lord, I need you. I'm dependent upon you. I am nothing without you. Even Jesus said it in John 15. In John 15, he says, apart from him, we could literally do nothing. And that's, you know, nothing Nothing. of eternal value. Nothing, you know, we can't bear spiritual fruit, eternal fruit without the Lord Jesus Christ. We can mess up our lives. That's pretty much all we can do. But the Lord, he does everything else through us. And so that's, that's powerful. The grace of God. That's the ego. Yeah, it's the ego, Michael. It's the ego of a man. It's the ego of a man that keeps a man separated from God. Oh man, I know, I know it all too well, and I know you do too. And I really feel like, <laughs> I really feel like your book, "Turn Your Season Around: How God Transforms Your Life," is coming out at a very pivotal time. You know, especially with 2020 and COVID, the lockdowns, the uncertainty of the economy, so many people dealing with, you know, their family members getting sick, even death, you know, in in families. It's just been such a hard year for so many people. It's been a rough season for many people, not just in America, but all around the world. And people are listening to this podcast, not just in America, but around the world. And so I would, what would you say to people that, you know, really had a tough 2020 and they're and they, and they need and they need a new season and they, they really need a new season well, well little did i know michael i would be writing a book in the beginning of 2020 and that we would come with a pandemic crisis and you know everything would fall apart and mm-hmm. but god is still on the throne amen you know and he's telling us he's telling us you know the Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added into you. Matthew six thirty-three. He's trying to show us, even in the midst of a pandemic, a storm, you must seek after me, you must know me. And because I am I am I am your peace. I am your everything that you're you're lacking. I, I'm giving it to you in the midst of a storm. And I say, Welcome to the reality of what what we in, the twenty twenty year. Yeah, nobody would ever thought about a 2020 season being what it turned out to be mm-hmm. but god there is god sitting on the throne and i can imagine what god is looking down and thinking and saying if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves yes. there's a nation here's a society of people 
that won't humble themselves. They're so prideful. Their egos run wild and they boast about themselves and, and lovers of each other and stuff and just living any kind of way. Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, I could imagine, you know, with the crisis that we're having, God's looking down and shaking his head and says, I wish my people down there will get themselves together so the promises of their life can be fulfilled, that it will be eternal life. Don't look for these earthly things. And I think so many have gotten consumed with the earthly things and what happens from an earthly standpoint instead of understanding the kingdom standpoint. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. if you want to enter into the kingdom, you want to look at the kingdom. So people ask me, so what did you do? I'm doing this period of time writing this book, turning your season around. I said, I pressed in more to God. I got I saturated myself in the word again. There's revelation coming through this time. I wanted the revelation. And I didn't want the reality of what we're living in. I want the That's revelation right. of who God is mm, so mm. I can spring forward. I don't want to spring backwards, you know, because if I live in the reality of what we've been through and what we're going through, uh, I'm living in that. And I'm instead, of, instead of living in the revelation of Christ, who Jesus Christ is and what's going to happen and when all this is going to come to an end. See, there is no expectations people for and they don't expect jesus to come back i expect jesus to come back one day and hopefully one day soon so this will all be to an end i know people hate to hear that but you know look at look at look at where it has brought in people it it has divided this Mm -hmm. nation of people for so many ways so many different ways and hopefully they hopefully as a nation that we will repent and we will repent and we will ask God to forgive us and turn from those wicked ways and come back so he can heal this land once again. Amen. I agree 100%. You know, there's always a remnant. Even if you go back in the Bible, there's always a remnant of people that trust in God, that separate themselves from the world. Even in the book of Malachi, when so many people were living uh, a sinful life, and you know, it said, but there was there was believers that came together, and they would talk about the goodness and the testimonies of God. And in heaven, there was a book of remembrance of, over these people who would just come together and just discuss the Lord and break bread. You know, it's just so special to God, even in the midst of a wicked and perverse generation like Jesus spoke about. There's always this beautiful remnant of people, and that's my desire for my listener. That's my desire for myself. That I would always be someone who turns to the Lord and not from Him in hard times, and that we would be a people with firm faith that we would you know allow these hard times to refine us but at the same time come out come out like gold on the other side because we've clung to the lord and so i'm just believing that everyone listening and we would just be a remnant of people that love the lord and discuss the lord and encourage one another in the lord even in the midst of trying times and i know that we will rise above jesus said that there will be tribulation but he has overcome the world and now his overcoming spirit lives on the inside of us and so uh daryl when people pick up your books that because they need to, it's called Turn Your Season Around, How God Transforms Your Life. What can they expect when they pick up this book? You, you can expect to grow, uh, grow in your faith, because you can look at a man's story, because most people know my story from a, a public perception, but they don't know it from a biblical perception. Mm, yeah. And a biblical perception is more more deeper of how God meets you right where you're at and how he transforms you and how he brings you into this wonderful place that he uh, created for you to be. And and I'm a prime example of that, you know, because everybody thought it was my baseball career and, and the stats and, and the Hall of Fame. And no, God wasn't concerned about the Hall of Fame. I had to go through this journey because had I went to the Hall of Fame and had I made, I, had I not got 
sidetracked in trouble. Probably would have made another $70 million, so I would have been rich, and I wouldn't have been looking at God. I would have been looking at all the stuff I still have. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it was a reason for it was a reason for a season of my life to go through what I had to go through, the hard times, so God can come into my life and touch my life. That's all you need is a touch from Jesus. Amen. He touches your life, and he transforms you, <laughs> and he transforms you into this this greater place that you can't even imagine. He gives you wisdom, knowledge. He gives you peace. He gives you joy. He gives you clarity. He gives you understanding. He separates you from a worldly standpoint, and he brings you into a spiritual standpoint. And now you you hear from the kingdom of God, and you know what it sounds like. You know what how to speak because you don't speak from a, from a man's perspective. You speak from the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells among us. You know because Jesus said that uh, when he was ascending to heaven, I'm going to send you one to comfort. He's going to teach you all things in remembrance of me. And so there you are. You get to learn all things in remembrance of who Jesus is. And you do not have to be that Romans 12 too, and do not be conformed to this world. Be Amen. transferred by the renewing of your mind. It is so powerful when you get to that place. And that's what the book is all about. Because this book, I already did an autobiography. That was a New York Times bestseller. But this book is loaded with scriptures. And the thing about it is I love Billy Graham, who I followed and studied his books. Mm -hmm. And I remember one thing in his book he was saying about how Christians, Christians are not victorious because they don't know scriptures. Mm. So that's why I think this book is so much downloaded with scriptures because I want them to understand it. It is the scriptures that brings about every change in you when you know the scriptures amen even now that's true i read i read your book it's chock full the word of god but even as you were declaring everything you were just saying right now i just sense a tangible anointing of the holy spirit why because you're declaring the truth you're not declaring your opinion we always you know in this day and age opinion 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 but we need the truth The truth <laughs> of God's word. It is the word of God that is living and powerful and sharper than a double-edged sword. And so this book is truly anointed. I, I highly recommend. Grab a copy of it. Turn your season around. How God Transforms Your Life. I know it's coming out right around the corner. This podcast is releasing, you know, early January. And so when 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 is this book releasing and how I'm sure people could pre-order it? How can they get a copy? Yeah, January twelfth, uh, twenty twenty one. It releases Zondervan. Uh, you can go to um um, Amazon.com or you can go to find, mm-hmm. uh, FindingYourWay.com you can go to FindingYourWay.com is our webpage to get more information and tell you how to get it through you know through, through different books outlets and everything so I'm really excited about what God has done because you know what Michael I am my last my last saying here sure. I didn't want to write another book I didn't even know why I was writing another book mm-hmm. I've had I've been there done that mm-hmm. you know but my wife said if God called you to write it he must have a plan to use it absolutely little did I know that it would be called turn your season around <laughs> in the midst of what we all been through. So God is good all the time. He is. And he's got a plan. Even when we have no clue what he's doing, <laughs> he knows what he's doing. And we could, and we, and we could, and we, could so and we could fully trust that, that if he tells us to do something, we don't know why he told us to do something, but you never know what's on the other side of your obedience to the Lord. And so that is absolutely key, man. Thank you so much, Daryl. Like I said, you were, uh, somebody that I looked up to and I watched for, for years as, as a young kid. And so what a joy to have you on. And, um, it's such a, it's such a pleasure. 
Well, thanks for having me on, Michael. I appreciate it for your time today. Absolutely. For those who are listening right now, make sure to grab your copy of Turn Your Season Around, How God Transforms Your Life. Make sure to also subscribe, rate, review this podcast. It'll help us get it out to more people around the world so they can be challenged, inspired, and blessed by the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. I look forward to speaking with you guys next time on Awaken Podcast. Podcast.